house for, or to my house for a movie night. And we were all in the living room, hanging out, eating pizza, and we were watching, I think, the movie The Goonies. And everything was going great, when all of a sudden the doorbell rang. And so I got up to answer the door, thinking, you know, it's probably just a student arriving late, even though the movie was halfway over by that time. And so I figured before I opened the door, I should probably see who it is, just since I have students in the house, you know, keep them safe. And so I moved the curtain that was covering the glass on the front door. And when I moved it, I saw two people standing there in terrifying Halloween masks. And my heart stopped. I had no idea what to do. My mind was racing. Should I call the cops? Where should I hide the kids to keep them safe? Like, can I protect these kids if these people try to come into my house? And I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to, spe- how am I going to explain this to their parents? And I remember thinking, like, there's somehow I'm going to get fired for this. Like, that's just going to happen. And so... I had no idea if this was a prank or if these strangers were just going to try to come in and they meant harm for us. And so I was panicking. I was panicking on the inside, but trying so hard to remain calm for our students on the outside. And so after the initial shock wore off, I decided the best thing to do was to tell the kids to run and hide and to call the cops. And just as I was about to tell the kids to get moving, the two strangers on my front porch removed their masks. And thankfully, it was the parents of two of our students playing a harmless prank on us. I didn't have to call the cops because I recognized them immediately, and I was so relieved that I knew the people behind the masks. You know, I was fully prepared to be toilet papered. I figured that was just a given, but I was not prepared at all for the creepy mask prank, and they got me good. You know, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but masks are kind of a hot topic right now. You might have looked in your bulletin at the title of the sermon today and thought, "Uh uh-oh, is Tori going to be talking about face coverings? No, I'm not. Don't worry. We're not talking about those kinds of masks, but we are talking about masks today. This morning we're talking about the invisible emotional masks that we voluntarily put on and hide behind every single day. And you know, this is something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Um, It's been on my heart for a while to talk about it, but I wasn't sure if right now was the right time. With the whole controversy over masks and everyone's feelings all wrapped up into it, I was like, I don't know if this is the right time. But God made it pretty clear that we were supposed to go there this morning. And so I just want to warn you that this might be uncomfortable. It might be uncomfortable for us because all of us have masks that that we wear. Um, And so before we dive into potential discomfort this morning, I want to invite you to enter this space with honesty and with an open heart. And I want to challenge you not to tune out. And it's so easy to look at sermon titles and think, you know, this doesn't apply to me. I don't wear these emotional masks that you're talking about. But you know what? All of us do. All of us have emotional masks that we put on every single day. We all have feelings, insecurities, and even shame that we work hard to cover up. And the invisible masks that we hide behind are a form of self-preservation. And a lot of them stem from the lie of, you know, if someone knew how I felt or what I was going through or what I've done, then they would think differently about me. And the masks that we hide behind often do a really good job at keeping people out of our business, but they keep those closest to us from at an arm's length as well. And our natural ability to mask up and to hide who we are or things we've done is something that we come by honestly because it started back in Genesis. If you think back to the very beginning when everything was good in the garden, 
Adam and Eve had the purest relationship with God and with each other. They walked with God in the garden. They were completely naked in both a physical and also a spiritual sense as well, and they felt no shame. And then they had nothing to hide. Adam and Eve never felt the need to cover themselves up from each other or from God until the day they disobeyed God. And after they disobeyed, it says in Genesis 3, verses 8 through 11, that the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? You know, Adam and Eve in that moment had their eyes open, and not in a good way. The way they saw themselves and the world around them changed completely. They realized that they were naked and they felt the need to cover up. And all of a sudden they started feeling new emotions like shame and guilt, things they were never meant to feel in the first place. And they did what most of us would do in that situation. They tried to cover their bodies from each other, and they tried to hide what they had done from God. So our natural, our natural inclination to mask up, to hide the parts of us, our insecurity, our personalities, our past from the world around us, started with our ancestors. It started way back in the very beginning, but it's something that we continue to do to this day. And so I believe that there are three masks that we all wear um, and we all hide behind, including myself. And the first mask is the mask of people-pleasing. And the mask of people-pleasing develops when we start to base our worth and our value off of our success, our performance, and the opinions of others. You know, we live in a very performance-driven country where our personal value and worth is often tied to and determined by what we do, what we produce, and how well we perform. And the drive to be successful and the opinions of others can cause us to develop what I call a have-to attitude. I have to put in 12-plus hour workdays so my boss won't think I'm lazy. I have to make sure that my kids are part of every sport, every extracurricular, everything they can possibly be on because I don't want to fail them or for people to think that I'm a bad parent. Or I have to say yes to that invitation or to that event, even though I don't want to go, but I don't want people to think that I don't care. You know, the I have to mentality forces us to become people-pleasers. It enslaves us to the opinions of others and drives us to base our worth off of our performance because we don't want to be rejected by the people in our life, and we also don't want to be labeled as a failure. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, confronted a group of people that were compromising the truth of the gospel. And these people were taking the gospel and twisting it to make it more pleasing, more easy easy to follow. And so Paul confronts them and challenges them to consider who they're trying to win the approval of, whether it's God or whether it's people. And he says in Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, as Paul said right there, we're called to be servants of Christ, not people pleasers. And there's a really big difference between serving people and people pleasing. And it's something that we've kind of gotten wrong somewhere along the way. Because serving others is what Jesus did. He served them physically by providing a meal and healing their bodies. He served them spiritually by teaching and praying for the people around him. 
And Jesus had so many opportunities to become a people pleaser, especially with the religious leaders. The religious leaders rejected him time and time again because he would not give in to their demands, their customs, their traditions, and the things that they thought he should be doing as the Messiah. And eventually, his refusal to become a people pleaser cost him his life because he refused to compromise. He knew that if he bent down to this group of people and he gave in to their demands and their opinions, that it would compromise his work. Jesus was a servant, not a people pleaser. You know, as Christians, we can try to please God and please people at the same time. And sometimes it works, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't. Because the problem with wearing the people-pleasing mask is that it comes with compromise. Wearing this mask will always require us to compromise our values, our time, and sometimes even our faith for other people. Because we cannot please God and people at the same time. And at some point, we're going to have to decide if we're willing to risk rejection or failure by taking off the mask, or if we're going to leave the mask on and continue to bend to what other people want and what other people think and what other people need. But people-pleasing will always require us to compromise because the people, the things that people want from us don't always match up with what God desires. The second mask that I believe that we've all worn at some time in our lives is the mask of self-sufficiency. And this mask might better be called the I'm fine mask. And it comes with a stiff upper lip, and it is rooted in prideful independence. And I will be the first to tell you that I wear this mask all the time, especially when I am out shopping. I do not like asking for help when I'm shopping. I don't like it when people ask me if I need help when I'm out at the stores. I just like to be left alone, to find things on my own. And I would much rather spend 30 extra minutes in a store looking for a specific item than ask for help. It is that prideful independence that I was just talking about. But, you know, I also wear this mask around my friends and with my family, and also to church. I can't tell you the number of times that I have come off a horrible week and someone at church has asked me, how are you? And I respond with, I'm fine, everything's great, even though I know it's not. And I know that I'm not the only person in this room that has done that. We've all done it, right? And we all wear the mask of self-sufficiency because somewhere along the way we've been told that we have to get through life on our own. We've been taught that there's something fundamentally wrong with needing and asking for help. And we've bought into the lie that somehow needing help equals weakness. And Satan uses that lie to his advantage all the time. He uses it to isolate us. He tells us that we're being a burden if we ask for help or reach out to someone. He convinces us that no one really cares about the things that we're going through. And that if we were just a little bit stronger, we could solve our problems on our own. And I can tell you, as someone who wears this mask, that the mask of self-sufficiency is the loneliest mask to wear because it keeps everyone in our lives at a distance. It keeps us from truly reaching out to our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're afraid of what they'll think. We're afraid of of admitting that we can't do life on our own. You know, Paul was not afraid to ask for help. He was not afraid to admit when he was struggling. And in 2 Corinthians 12, he reveals to the people of Corinth that he has been struggling with a physical ailment for a while. And it was the thorn in his flesh. And we're not sure if it was a physical thorn or if it was a spiritual thing. But whatever it was, it caused him so much pain. So much pain that he he begged God over and over and over to take it away. 
But Paul said that he never took it away. Instead, Christ told him something very important. And in in, um, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, God never took that thorn away. But God used that thorn to help Paul understand that his power is made perfect in moments that Paul couldn't fix on his own. You know, there's thorns that we all have in our life, right? There's things that we try to cover up, things that we try to get through on our own, whether it's thorns of shame or guilt or just a hard season in our life that we're trying to do on our own. Because we are, we don't, and we don't want to reach out to people because we don't want to be seen as weak. We don't want to seem like we need help because we're pridefully independent, independent people that think we can do everything on our own. But we were never meant to do life on our own at all. In fact, that's not what we were created to do. But the mask of self-sufficiency keeps us from living into our calling as the body of Christ, to bear each other's burdens, to help one another. You know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to need help. It's okay to admit to the people around you that you need the support and love of brothers and sisters in Christ to get you through a tough moment in your life. And in fact, when we do that, God's power and strength is put on display in our lives. When we stop trying to hide behind the mask of self-sufficiency, we'll find that God not only offers his sufficient strength through his word and his presence in our life, but also through the people he brings in our lives. The third mask that we all wear is the mask of perfection. And this mask is the easiest to put on, but the hardest to take off because we've bought into the lie that we must have it all together and everything under control at all times. You know, I consider myself a recovering control freak. I love to be in control, and I love to have everything look like it's perfectly under control. And in fact, if you come over to our house, you're not going to find a ton of clutter on our counters. You're not going to find messy rooms. Our bed is always made because I am very, very strict about that. And on the surface, everything will look clean. But if you open my closet or you open the junk drawer in the kitchen or the drawers, it tells a completely different story. They are a wreck full of just messy clothes and lots of junk. And Jake always jokes that my idea of cleaning is just shoving things in a closet or a drawer. And it's true. If it's out of the way, out of sight, out of mind, right? Because on the outside, everything looks clean. But on the inside, it's messy and it's overflowing with imperfection. I wear this mask a lot because I don't want people to think I don't have it all together. And I know that many of us wear that too. And we wear this mask for protection. We want to appear as if we're in control and everything is good, right? We've been told to cover up, to clean up, to conceal the things that we think that, that are messy or that might cause someone to think differently about us. And we don't want people to think that everything isn't as great as it appears. But I can tell you, wearing the mask of perfection is exhausting, Because it keeps us striving and seeking and working towards unattainable goals while simultaneously helping us ignore what's truly going on beneath the surface. 
And the Pharisees, they wore this mask really well. And Jesus had some really strong words for them um, about this mask that they hid behind. He says in Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Those are really strong words. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? I, I can't. That would just make me squirm. But the Pharisees, they wanted people to think that they had it all together. They prided themselves on perfectly following the law, but it came at a cost. And even though the people around them saw them as righteous, God did not. He knew exactly what was happening beneath the surface and what was going on in their hearts. And the same goes for us. God sees what we are, not what we pretend to be. And it's so easy for us to become accidental Pharisees when we wear the mask of perfection. Because really the mask of perfection, all of these masks, they really keep us from being real with God and with each other. You know, Satan uses the mask of perfection to keep us thinking that we have to have it all together before we come to God. That he doesn't want you unless everything is put, was wrapped up nicely with a bow. But God doesn't desire perfection. He doesn't care if your house is a mess, if you have messy junk drawers in your kitchen, or if your life is falling apart. He doesn't care if you, know, if you are, don't have it all together. He just wants you to come just as you are, imperfections and all. You know, putting on the people-pleasing mask is draining. And wearing the mask of self-sufficiency is lonely. And hiding behind the mask of perfection is utterly exhausting. But here's the truth about these masks that we wear, whether it's the three that we just talked about or one that you have on right now. God never wanted or intended for us to wear masks. We were not born with these masks on. We've put the masks on over time, and we have forgotten that we can take them off. And in fact, Scripture tells us that there is freedom from these masks, that we don't have to be masked up around God. And in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There is freedom from the masks. Freedom is possible, and that happens when we turn to Christ. Because we cannot remove the mask on our own. Because over time, those masks have become part of our identity. We've come to believe that our worth is based off of our success. We believe that we're a burden if we ask for help, or that we have to have everything put together in our lives and everything under control. And Satan would love nothing more than for us to continue to believe in those things, continue to wear those heavy masks. But Christ offers us a better option. He offers to help us do the hard work of removing the mask when we turn to him. He offers to remove the barriers and tells us exactly who we are as his children. Christ removes the mask of people-pleasing by telling us that we don't have to earn his approval, that his love for us is not based on anything that we can do. 
It says in 2 Timothy 1.9 that he has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Christ doesn't care if you have an awesome 401k, if, all, if your life is put together, if you're, you, you are employee of the month. He loves you because of who you are, not because of what you can do. Christ replaces the mask of self-sufficiency by reminding us that we don't go through life alone. It says in Ephesians 2, 18 through 19, For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and members of God's household. Christ has given us access to the ultimate support system within the body of Christ. And he wants us to use it because we were never created to do life on our own. And finally, Christ gives us the strength to remove the mask of perfection because while we were still imperfect sinners, Christ died for us. We were imperfect, we are imperfect, and he still invites us to come and to drop the mask and to come to him just as we are. You know, when we turn to Christ and we allow him to do the work of removing our masks, it changes everything. Because in Christ, we are a new creation. The old ways of living and the masks that we use to cover up are no longer necessary. We're invited to be set free and to live into our true identity as Christ followers and as his children. And because of that, then we can become the light to the world around us. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 speaks to what this light looks like. It says, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the masks we wear keep Christ's lights from truly shining through us. But when the masks come down, The light of Christ can shine brightly through us because there's nothing getting in its way. When Christ begins the work of transformation and when we turn to him, he begins to tune our hearts into him. He molds and shapes our mind to act and think and be more like him. And slowly but surely, we realize that we don't have to mask up anymore. That we're not, we don't have to seek the approval of others to determine our worth. We're not trying to do things on our own or faking our way through life trying to be perfect. And when that happens, we begin to reflect the light of Christ to the world around us. And people start to notice. People will notice when those masks fall down because removing our masks changes the relationship with the people around us too. Just like our masks create a barrier between us and Christ and cause us to not be real with him, they also create a barrier between us, between each other. The masks that we wear keep us from being the body of Christ to each other because we're so busy focusing on what other people might think of us. We're so busy focusing on what we need to hide. But stepping out from behind those masks opens the door for authentic relationships. Sharing our imperfections, our worries, our insecurities lets others know that we're human because we all have those things in our lives. And it gives, when we remove those masks, it gives other people the opportunity and the permission to remove theirs around us as well. It gives us the opportunity to be the church, to come alongside of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and support and pray for and encourage each other. And removing our masks allows Christ to work in and through us to be the hands and feet to the world around us. And so as we wrap up this morning, my challenge to you is to identify the masks that you're wearing. Most, most of the time we know the ones that we are covering things up with. 
I want you to think about the purpose that those masks are serving. Think about the insecurities, the pain, the shame that they're covering up. And ask yourself, is it really worth wearing this heavy mask any longer? And the truth is is that only you can decide whether it's worth it. Only you can decide if you're ready to come out and to step out from behind the masks. But if your mask isn't worth wearing anymore, then I want to invite you to step out in faith. Because it really is a true step out in faith to ask Christ to begin the work of removing those masks. Ask Christ for the courage to help you remove them. Ask him to place people in your life that you can be completely unmasked around. And know that he will do it. When you ask him, he will do that. It's going to be difficult. It'll be hard. But I can promise you that it's better than living in fear behind the masks. Because the truth is that our masks rob us of the fullness of life that Christ offers to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for... um, Thank you for your word, Lord, that that reaches us, reaches into the depths of our soul and reminds us who we are in you, Lord, that we do not have to have veiled or masked faces anymore with you, that we can come to you and be real with you and real with each other. God, I pray for us as a church that we would become a people that are willing to be unmasked, willing to be unmasked around each other and with each other, Lord. I pray that we would begin to, we would turn to you and that we would begin the work of removing those masks that create the barriers in our life, God, because they are robbing us from the fullness of life that we have in you. So, God, I just ask that uh, if there's anyone here today that wants to remove that, Lord, that you would just give them that holy nudge in that direction, Lord, that you would remind them of who they are in you. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your love that never gives up on us. Amen.